Buckstock Podcast. This is Michael Plus, joined by Mark Ramirez, as always. And Mark, we are back. We're getting closer to the combine and free agency. How are we doing tonight on this Wednesday? I'm just. Hey, it's the middle of the week. It's Hump Day. Yeah. Geico commercial brought it back. That was fun. Um, just the usual. Getting ready for the weekend as usual, mm-hmm. and I still work it. Yeah. But hey, it's a day closer to the combine. Day closer to me going to Egypt. Day yeah. closer to you going to uh, Key West, right? Yeah. yeah. There are a lot of fun things ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And we got a great show for you tonight. We have a special guest on, Connor Rogers uh, from Bleacher Report and also Stick to Football Podcast. Does a great job over there. And very excited to have him on. And, um, I mean, just the, the work that those guys do, and, and he contributes very well to the draft and everything. So uh, it's, it's going to be awesome to uh, talk about it, and it, it's going to be fun tonight. Yeah, and with no further ado, let's actually give him a call. So, Connor Rogers, where are you? He's coming. (laughs) Hey, guys, what's going on? Hey, Connor, welcome to the show. It's uh, great to have you on. Um, let's let's get right into it. Let's talk talk a little bit about uh, yourself and and give a little background. Um, you know, what do you do besides uh, doing a great job of covering football and, and the draft and everything? Well, it's you know a pretty time consuming job these days, especially uh, this year at Bleacher Report. It's gone kind of a bigger role covering college football along with the NFL draft. So it's it's a full season. I mean, really, my downtime I would say is in June and the first half of July, or maybe. The first three weeks of July, I like to travel a lot. I always usually try to bank up that time off and go to a lot of different places. I was lucky this summer. I was actually uh, I was in France when they won the World Cup. So obviously it's not something you could plan like that, but it was an incredible experience. So basically when I'm not traveling for work, which is monthly at this point during the season, I I, I mean, I wasn't really home uh, at all much during like the month of October and just scattered out through different college games. And then. It's kind of funny, even when I get the time off, I still don't like to be home. But, you know, I'm from New York. I love it here. Um, I, I don't really see myself living anywhere else full time. I, I, I would if the opportunity came up that was too perfect. But I really love it here. And, you know, it's there's so much different things to do and so many different things to eat. Uh, that's one other thing, too, man. I could I could always eat. <laughs> New York state of mind, right? That's right, man. It's um. I mean, you never run out of things to do and you just keep exploring the city. I'm sure I'll get tired of it eventually. I, I definitely get tired of the tourists and the commute, but <laughs> overall, other than that, it's the perfect place to be. That's cool. That's cool. Are you, do you consider yourself a world traveler then? <laughs> Not yet. Uh, yeah. I, I have a couple more places to mark off. I mean, I, I, for a while, I was you know going more south. I was in Costa Rica and places like that. I actually learned how to surf, so cool. you know, super cool, but now I want to head, obviously more over to Europe as much as I can. I'll definitely 
go back next summer. Haven't really mapped out that route in full yet, but um, man, the more places I can go, the better. And you know, hopefully, just do it kind of a little bigger and better each year. Last year, I got to pass through three different countries, and I think I would like that to be the minimum going forward. Awesome. Now, is it all pleasure or was this business? No, this is all pleasure. Awesome. I mean, yeah, basically, nice. during the year, I'm on the road from on and off, of course. I get to go home and like go into the office at Bleacher Report. But from August, uh, from August throughout, I mean, the first month I wasn't on a plane was February. And ironically, March 1st, I have a flight. So it didn't last too long uh, for the combine, which is fantastic. So, I mean, yeah, a lot of business travel during the year, but during those summer months, at least early on, I, I get to kind of, you know, really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. So Costa Rica, I went there for my honeymoon, and oh, lovely. Yeah, right. It's it was a fantastic country. Amazing, right? And it's actually clean, yeah. very clean too. Yeah, uh, it's beautiful. Yeah, right. And so then we, I went to Iceland recently, and then now in March I'm going to Egypt. So I'm, I'm trying to join your bandwagon and seeing so you much. You really are. Right? You really are, man. I did I did uh, Iceland and Costa Rica in back-to-back months one year, which are like t- just complete <laughs> opposites. I mean, I was in Iceland in November. It was freezing cold, but in a good way. And then oh, yeah. I was in co- Costa Rica that December, and um, it was that, that was a couple of years ago. And it was, I mean, both places were absolutely incredible. And Egypt is actually extremely, extremely high on my list. I just kind of want it to be its own trip. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to be there 10 days, so I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have a blast. Heck, yeah. And I'll let you know. I'll let you know about it. But uh, Yeah, please do. I got uh, that's. Uh, I would say that's in my top three right now. Right? Very nice. Awesome. Well, then I will. But uh, also, wait, question, huge question. Did you see the Northern Lights when you were in Iceland? Yes, I did. Lucky. So I actually got really, really lucky. Yeah. Um, I, we kind of planned it to go in november because it's it's you know one of the peak months to go check it out um and it's it's better to not go in the summer because the summer it's packed with a lot of tourists but Mm -hmm. um so i went in november a little before thanksgiving and the trick really was uh rented an suv and just drove out of the city reykjavik i drove far out of the city of reykjavik where it's obviously super dark Mm -hmm. and um i mean there was two nights in a row where they were as clear as you could ever ask. I mean, the, I don't even think the pictures tell the real story. You lucky bastard. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I was pretty for. I've, I've gotten lucky with travel with the Northern Lights in Iceland and then France winning the World Cup when I was in Paris for a week. Um, I, I I hope that luck doesn't turn anytime soon. <laughs> I, you have a rabbit's foot or something? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Man, I don't know. I think it's that I get really those one or two months where I could plan vacations yeah. uh, outside of places I have to go. And I guess uh, I, I guess it's just luck's on my side and for the most to make the most of it. I'm going to say you being on the show is a good luck charm. So thank you. <laughs> Let us hope. Let us hope. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's awesome, Connor. I mean, anything other, other hobbies that uh, you have going on or is it just all football and then just being that world traveler like you spoke of? Uh, I mean, I think one of my hobbies still to this day, in a way, is fitness, just because it, it kind of breaks everything up. When I was in college, I was a powerlifter, and oh, um, cool. it, and I still, you know, keep kind of routine with that, just because it kind of makes the day schedule a little better. I mean, you get up in the morning and start with a workout and kind of set the tone right. So I, I, I do it because I do love it, but it's also one of those things that is just like, it, it's super regimented to me. So, uh, I mean, that's 
as crazy as it is, like I said, I like to eat food. I like to travel and I, I like to take care of myself while I'm not doing football. It's like eventually, you know, and it's easy for me. I'm a single guy in New York where it's like, I don't have a lot of uh, responsibilities. As long as I, as long as I pay my bills and do a good job at work, everything's going okay. There you go. I mean, that's, that's how it's done. <laughs> Look, I love your lifestyle. Power lifter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in college I was competitive. Now I Hell just do yeah. it for fun. Yeah, now just for fun, man. It's too much uh, wear and tear on oh, the yeah. knees and joints, but I, I can't get away from it. Yeah, like I, I work in therapy. I'm a physical therapist assistant. Awesome. But, but then, yeah, I used to do the Windler's 531. Okay. So I did that. Awesome. So, yeah, right? You get strong as shit, but yeah, you feel like shit. <laughs> yeah, you, it's it's really, it's really demanding. Um, and, and just like the weight classes of it. I mean, I was always going down because you want to win. So, like, I never wanted to go up and win. Like, I didn't really care about, uh, like, getting – I wanted to go down and wait to win all my weight classes. So, once I got out of school, I was like – yeah, I mean, it's hilarious now I look at it. I'm, like, 25 pounds heavier. And not in a bad way. It's just – I'm just heavier because I don't have to worry about it anymore. It's stress-free so, weight. Exactly, exactly. And if I want to order and eat entire New York pizza on a Friday night, I gladly will. Damn. that's You live in that lifestyle, bro. That's good. <laughs> just trying, doing what I can. <laughs> well, it's you. You let us know a lot of stuff about you. That's cool. I love hearing the background about people before we start getting into the nitty gritty. Yeah. But with that said, let's actually jump into it now. Let's do football, which we all love and love to talk about, and can literally do it for hours on end. You are most knowledgeable of the Jets, primarily, correct? I know you know all of NFL, but you cover the Jets mostly, and. We just want to know what are the Bucks getting in Todd Bowles, like as a coach, a leader, a defensive coordinator. Just in total, what what is his best attributes and traits? Yeah, of course. I mean, I followed this team closely for a long time, and I think this was my first year where I transitioned, like I said, into a role of covering the college football landscape and, and leading up. Always covered the draft, but it was more NFL to the draft, and being you know in New York and New Jersey, uh, you know, it's just easy with the Jets being here. So. I was around a lot during the Todd Bowles era, or at least it felt close to it more often than not, especially the first two years. And I think it's interesting with Todd because it's a true saying. Some guys are just excellent coordinators and terrible head coaches. And with Todd, it was one of those things where because he was such a talented defensive mind and coordinator and a really good position coach, I mean, he's good with, with players. He relates to players. This is a guy that was on a, in a Super Bowl team, so a Super Bowl safety you know, when it comes down to yours rooting for him as a head coach because he's a fantastic person and a really smart football person, and it just didn't work out when it comes down to it. And it's it's no fault of the Jets. I know a lot of people look at situations and go, well, it's a hard place to succeed. Definitely. Succeeding in New York is not easy. That's why so many coaches, so many athletes, and really a lot of people in general fail here because of the pressure. But it, it, for Todd, he's just not cut out to be a head coach because of whether it's the game management, I think the energy here was very low. And I think it got what it was a little worrisome is it got significantly worse over time throughout the years here. It seems like there had been a culture of um, mediocrity mm. with the Jets, that losing was okay. Losing became okay. And, and I don't want to say it never bothered Todd Bowles because anybody that makes it to the that high of a level in any sporting league, any professional sporting league, Losing definitely bothers them, but I think instead of bothering him, it started to wear him out instead. And you look at him, it, I mean, it'd be unfair to not talk about the bright spots of Todd Bowles defensively, especially with him taking on a coordinator role in Tampa where 
he's destined for success. I mean, we've seen him be very successful working with Bruce Arians before. Mm. We've seen him coach very, very successful defensive units. And it's an interesting way. I think he's somebody that he would like to play. a. It's really a nickel-based defense, but he'll play a 3-4 front. He will play multiple fronts, but the base defense in the front will be a 3-4 as much as, like I said, the true base defense is really that he will run a nickel. He'll, he'll sometimes have three corners out there. He'll sometimes even rotate three safeties. And, you know, there's a lot of layers to it. It's a pressure defense from the blitz. I think one of the frustrating parts for Jets fans was this is a team without a pass rusher. And to make up for that, it was almost overcompensating. Bowles would send pressure and a lot of heavy pressure. And I think against the run, he likes his front to contain. He likes them to sit back and set the edge and really sell out to stop the run. And he'll say, you have to beat us throwing the ball. And sometimes that's great. But in this league, I think those days have kind of fallen behind a little bit as we see teams like the Chiefs, for instance. I mean, they'll drop back 45 times a game and absolutely light you up. They don't really care about and it's not to say they don't care about running the football because they've been a good running team before, too. But the bottom line is, I think the biggest thing for Bowles will be, you know, how much help does he give that Buck secondary that's going to need some? What are the What is the free agent situation going to be? Is Quan Alexander going to walk? Because Bowles is somebody, no matter where he's gone, he loves his linebackers that can really run and chase and pursue. I mean, the Jets used a first-round pick on Darren Lee, and that was, and that was somebody that developed under Todd Bowles. He struggled year one. He got better year two, and he really turned it on this year. And it goes back to even Arizona with somebody like Daryl Washington, who I know had some suspension issues, but was fantastic at one point in time. Uh, I think it's interesting with Todd. He's a former safety, and he seems to get the most out of his safeties. Jamal Adams has been a star. Marcus May, when healthy, was very good. And then before that, obviously, you look at all those guys that played in Arizona over the years, whether it was somebody like Tony Jefferson. Obviously, they drafted the Honey Badger. Who knows, Todd? very very well and i'm curious to see if that connection comes you know together in free agency i I do think he's somebody that can develop the safety position and and overall i mean he's good one-on-one with his defensive players but and i think this is just a much much better role for him in a market that i i think will be a little less demanding on him at times or less stressful yeah frank sinatra said it best right you make it here you make it anywhere (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and it's just, especially with these two football teams here, I mean, the Giants are a mess right now, and you look at the New York Jets, like, it, it, it's tough, because I think, to, you know, in my unbiased view, I think the Jets finally got a quarterback, and of course, Todd mm-hmm. gets fired after that year, where it's like, well, could he have the success with the quarterback, but they just weren't at the point where they felt they could trust him as a head coach to develop that quarterback, and in a way, he, you know, I'm sure he would love to be a head coach still, but the blessing in disguise is that he's going to a role where he's been very successful successful, and he'll get back to being very successful. Yeah, I mean, those are great points you make, Connor. I think, you know, you're looking at the 3-4 and you said in the base, the base personnel, I think a lot of it, you know, this league is going to a nickel base. I mean, that's pretty much what you have to play out of because yep, it is. and Todd loves it. Yeah, I mean, you got to bring they, pressure. Yeah. The perfect example here is when Todd got to New York, that first offseason, the Jets signed, I believe, three cornerbacks. I mean, so when you look at it, you go, and they gave top dollar to these guys. Darrell Rivas, of course, they brought him back and gave him a ton of money. Antonio Cromartie, somebody he was familiar with, who's a true boundary field corner. Those guys had lived on the outside their entire careers. Then they went and gave starting caliber contract to Buster Screen. Hmm. So that was always my sign to people, like, if you're paying three guys top corner money, what do you think you're going to do on the football field a majority of the time? You're going to play a defense with three corners. So 
But you can't underlook the 3-4. I mean, there's a lot of variables to Todd's 3-4. Like I said, he likes guys that can really stop the run, set the edge, not the bendy, twitchy, undersized kind of pass rushers outside. He likes the big guys that can really, you know, just sell out to the run more often than not and give those backers room behind them to run and chase. Yeah, so we had uh, someone who covered the uh, the Cardinals, Jess Root, on like last week, I believe it was. Yeah, he said the same exact things you're saying about how he believes in the linebackers. He loves those sideline-to-sideline linebackers. Mm -hmm. And is it more the middle linebackers, would you say? And, like, the outside edge rushers, you're going to call them, like, just bigger guys that want to clog the run? Just to clarify better? Yeah, it's interesting. So it got really actually confusing at times because to figure out what Todd exactly wanted and for where, because you look at it, the Jets had David Harris when he got there, uh, one of the best Mike linebackers, uh, I mean, in Jets history, a true thumper, a guy out of Michigan, second round pick, and he was there forever, and he was a thumper in the middle. He wasn't, you know, a guy that would run and cover, and but he would take anyone head on. And then Demario Davis was here in, on two separate occasions, the last time being an absolutely fantastic season, another guy that would fill the hole and, and really be that interior run-stopping kind of guy, but in the middle of all this, they drafted Darren Lee, and a lot of people said, like, hey, I projected Darren Lee personally as a will linebacker. Coming out of Ohio State, I was like, this guy could live on the weak side. He could Mm -hmm. could do so many different things for you, but in a league that is using mismatched running backs and tight ends in the pass game, he's somebody that you think would be that kind of chess piece, and there was a lot of times where they played him on the inside, and he just failed because he couldn't get through the traffic, he couldn't get through the mud, and he couldn't get off blocks, so and then I think Todd got a lot out of Darren Lee this third year. And, and when you look at signing Avery Williamson to really take on a big role in the middle, and like you said, those those guys on the outside, like Jordan Jenkins, for instance, was here, a former third-round pick, somebody that is just excellent taking on blocks and giving the running backs no room. So, yeah, when you look at Bowles, I mean, he's somebody that does he like? He likes speed in the inside. And Lee and Avery are two guys that can run, especially Lee, is fantastic speed for a linebacker so you would think in my eyes that would make them prioritize bringing back Quan. but at the end of the day the market for the player might just be too big for what the cat uh the buck salary is working with yeah i was going to get into that a little bit more like uh talk a little bit about do you think the bucks personnel matches up with what todd wants to do as far as being that three four attacking style do you see joe mccoy as a fit for the defense going forward yeah, it's interesting. I think right now they got some work to do. McCoy is fascinating because you look at the potential salary implications of it and a team that has some guys decide on the other side of the ball. I mean, I know they got Allie Marfitt done, but I would believe this is a GM that drafted Donovan Smith and wants Donovan Smith back. And obviously the Jameis Winston cap hit is pretty big. So you look at the pieces on the defensive side of the ball, especially up front. I think Vita Vea and McCoy can easily play in this defense. I'm curious to see Pierre Paul has been great since getting to the Bucks. I, I'm curious to see his fit in this defense. I think, you know, it's it's not a typical Todd Bowles kind of guy. I know Carl Nassib was kind of a reclamation project there. I, I, I'm kind of curious to see his fit, although I, I do think he could maybe play for Bowles. So, And Kendall Beckwith is somebody I really liked at LSU. I think he'll be a great linebacker for Todd Bowles. So it's really interesting. I think some of these guys are versatile enough to make it work. But when you get a new staff in place, you're never going to have all the pieces in that first year. 
Very true, very true. Yeah, because we don't have those outside 3-4 linebackers either. I mean... Not yet. I mean, yeah. you got a lot of defensive ends. Like, Nassib and Pierre Paul will like to pin their ears back and try to get after the quarterback. And mm-hmm. I, Todd really, as long as I've seen him with New York, has not played that way. A lot of his pressure came from the interior guys. Leonard Williams, Sheldon Richardson, Mo Wilkerson before, you know, his the wheels really fell off the bus mm-hmm. there, but... Um, you know, it, it's really interesting to see how he makes these guys work, and maybe he adjusts for the first year. Yeah, yeah. It's also yeah, because Nasser was coming from a three-four, and then he didn't do that well there, and then he comes over here four-three, and he starts doing so much better. And yeah, same it's with a JPP. Like the the Giants were a three-four his last year there, and then they switched. Right when uh, who's the head coach now? Blanken. But yeah, yeah he was playing three-four, and he just didn't do as well. And they come over here. Oh, we get our first ten sack guy, and since Simeon Rice, that's just crazy. I mean, it is. Yeah, there's a lot of question marks. That's why we're here asking you, like, what? Well, how do you see it lining up? And yeah, it's the same thing. But I agree with you that Beckwith is going to be a huge. Thought. Yeah, he'd missed a whole year, but that one year he did show, he showed up. And Quan, yeah, another speed guy in the middle, like you're talking about. And I would, I agree. He's aggressive, downhill, sideline, sideline. He probably would like him, but again, yeah, is the money, the number correct, like for both sides, mm-hmm. especially coming off an ACL? Uh, well, let's see. <laughs> but I mean, how do you see Levante David, like a pure weak side linebacker like that, fitting into us? Or, yeah, or when you, Todd Bowles defense? Yeah, I mean, he's probably going to be the Darren Lee of this yeah. defense. I mean, Levante is somebody that can be Mr. Run and Chase, so... He's actually somebody that I have the least bit of worries about him back with. I mean, it, it's interesting. I, I do think Quan will price himself out and hit the market, but that's why they have the draft, fellas. I mean, mm-hmm. there's always value linebackers in the draft, so they'll they'll just have to find their answers, you know, through there for now. Because if every team could plug every hole, everybody would be in the Super Bowl, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so. Yeah, because there's a big because of all this. It's the the big hype train of uh, Devin White coming to us, falling to five, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, we'll plug and play." I'm like, "Eh, yeah, he's a great aggressive sideline to sideline guy." But it's like, do you value him at number five? I don't know. What's your opinion on that one? I love Devin White. I think it's interesting for the Bucks. I mean, I know this is a team that doesn't shy away from LSU linebackers. Right. Um, Devin White will probably be a top five or ten player on my board when all is said and done. Now, positional value-wise, it's interesting for the Bucks. I mean, is Donovan Smith going to walk? Then you could argue they're going to need some O-line help, and you hope it doesn't come to that. Is this a team that, I mean, from the hires and from everything that's been said, they've shown me zero indications that they are willing to move on from Jameis Winston. But, I mean, fellas, how many times do you pick in the top five? Not, it's not common where you could sit there and say, hey, we can get Kyler Murray, we can get Dwayne Haskins. I would like to see them be a little more creative. And, but I, I think they're committed to Jameis Winston. I think that was part of Bruce Arians coming in. So if that's the case, I would, I would lean usually on the side of getting him more help. But I think when all is said and done, I don't know how many offensive players will really be worth that fifth overall selection. No, I agree with you there. I mean, the only offensive player I would take number five overall is an offensive lineman. I mean, we have weapons on the outside. It's like, just use them correctly. Give them time to get them the ball. Right? Yeah, we're probably going to lose Humphreys because he's going to make some money. He's he's a good, consistent player. But, I mean, yeah, like, offensively, I'd only do O-line at that number five. Other than that, yeah, it's fix that defense. Give Bulls more weapons to use. 
And I think Jonah Williams would be interesting when you talk yeah. about the offensive line. Because even if they bring back Donovan Smith, I mean, I believe there's been some problems on the right side. And when Jonah got to Alabama, he, he started at right tackle. A lot of teams love him as a center. I know they have Ryan Jensen there, but I, I think Jonah could play all five spots. So it's one of those things where, you, okay, let's just upgrade this unit and take a versatile kind of guy. And you look at the defense, of course, Devin White, I mean – is Bowles going to still want to be in a very press-heavy scheme? Then Greedy Williams comes into play, although I think six, uh, I think five is a little rich mm. for him right now. And then, of course, all these pass rushers. Yeah, yeah. No, we fully agree with you about uh, Jonah Williams. We're mm. big, big fans of him. Yeah. That that would be ours at number five, or maybe even trade down, hopefully, and pick up something. Because, like, we're not one player away, to be honest. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. we, we need more. So, I would honestly try and trade down, but... If you stay, I would not be upset with Jonah Williams just to give Winston some time to actually show what he can do. But uh, with that said, yeah, about draft talk, mm-hmm. what are your favorite, not maybe favorite prospects or like who do your who your hidden hidden gems kind of things? Like who are you really looking at? I mean, there's so many different players in this class. At the top of the board, though, obviously, I mean. I do think the best player in this class is Nick Bosa. I don't think there's any overthinking it. I mm-hmm. still love Ed Oliver. I yes. mean, I think Ed Oliver <laughs> could be special. I, I I know everybody believes Quentin Williams is the better player right now. I'm just not there yet. For me, I actually have a top five right now, or a top four of Bosa, Oliver, Quentin Williams, and then Devin White. I know you guys brought up Devin White earlier. So, I mean, it's a loaded defensive class. There's pass rushers galore. I think people are still sleeping a little bit on Cleveland Farrell. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. Guys won two national titles and been a three-year starter for a Clemson team that has unseated Alabama twice in his tenure, almost three times. I mean, when it comes down to it, it, you look at what he's done there. I just think he's, he's been so good as a defensive end for them. And once again, though, it's a matter of, of who fits with Bowles. I think, like you said, if you trade back, Greedy Williams would be a great option if you trade back. You get a press corner for Todd Bowles. Maybe you get an extra second-round pick, and you could address the offensive line there. It, the depth of this offensive line is very impressive in this class. I mean, there's no front-tier kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see the Tyron Smith-level kind of prospect, but you, you got Jonah Williams. You got Yadni Kajus from West Virginia. A lot of people like Jawan Taylor from Florida. I'm really high on Cody Ford out of Oklahoma. So, you know, as I get through more of this offensive line, I I watched uh, Garrett Bradbury from NC State, the center today, and, I mean, just fantastic. Uh, I've been looking for – there's so many guys in this class that scouts will tell you, hey, I'd love him at center, and I I look at the traits and I go, yeah. But it's nice when you watch a football player playing his position and he could actually play it at the next level. So – you get to Bradbury and you go, okay, this guy that's been playing center and he's been phenomenal and he'll translate translate quite nicely to the next level. So I, there's a lot of talented players across the first three rounds in this class. I mean, it, the, this class is interesting because it, there's not going to be a lot of superstars. I mean, Nick Bosa, Ed Oliver, I believe those guys could be superstars. Devin White and, and you know, even I, I really like David Montgomery. I know everybody loves Josh Jacobs, but I, I look at, and I do too, but I look at David Montgomery and I just look mm-hmm. at all this you know, he's a complete player. So yep. it's a fun class. It, it, there's a reason why over at Bleacher Report with Stick to Football, we cover all seven rounds, not just the first round, because, I mean, there's going to be teams plugging starting holes throughout every round of this draft. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 All those guys you named, we are really huge fans of, too. So, like, awesome. Yeah. I love Bradbury. I think I'm a huge fan, like, huge favorite of him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, it, when you get into Devin Singletary, I don't know if you've seen him yet. Yeah. He's another fun guy to watch on, yeah. on tape. Um, but, yeah, like, 
That's cool that we all have a lot of favorites of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, anything? Let me think. No, I, th- I, I, again, we appreciate this, Connor. Thank you so much for uh, coming on. Uh, a lot of great knowledge. Uh, learned a little bit more about Todd Bowles and how this Bucks team fits. It looks like they're going to, um, you know, like you said, address the offensive line, address some pieces on the defense that they'll need for this new scheme coming forward. Uh, but it's going to be exciting. Uh, I'll, I'll end it with this last question. Um, what do you What do you guys have planned? Uh, talk a little bit more what you have planned for the combine coming up. It looks like that's going to be a, a really fun time. Yeah, I mean we're we're all going out there from Bleacher Report, from Stick to Football. Uh, me, Matt Miller, uh, Mello, our other co-hosts. So it will be out there. We'll host a meetup at Two Deep Brewing. We did it last year in Indy. It's a great brewery. I mean, they got awesome beers. They got food. It's a gigantic venue. Uh, we'll host a meetup. We, it's tickets are free. They're online, I believe, on nightout.com. Uh, we've been posting the links. I mean, we have I think 130 people signed up right now. So awesome. I mean, it's the meet and greets and just hanging out and doing the show. It's it's an absolute blast. And I think the combine is is one of my favorite events of the year for the shows. It, it's a show itself, the combine. It, just, it, right? it really is. Yeah. yeah, it absolutely is. I mean. Just the people you run into out there, obviously, all the reactionary takes of guys running a 40-yard dash, it's, uh, it never gets old. In their underwear. Yep. And then what, with Chris Jones, his little incident <laughs> after his oh, 40-yard dash back in the day. It's, there's always good for a viral moment in the NFL combine. <laughs> yeah, I, I, hey, have fun. That's, that's I'm jealous. Let's put it that way. Yeah. yeah, well, thank you guys. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you for coming on. All right. Have a good one. See you guys. What an awesome little guest there, mm-hmm. right? And again, like we're trying to bring more yeah. informative people on here that know more than we do about yeah. people we are just getting in, right? Yeah. It makes sense to not just make up your own assumptions, but actually hear it from people who are smarter than you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> right? So uh, we, we never claim to be the know-it-alls on everything. Right. But yeah, we may be confident on players we, we like and – we didn't just bring on Connor because he likes a lot of the guys that we've been naming. Right. We pretty much named everyone we like. Yeah. Which is awesome. The, the fact yeah. that there's that much similarities, right? Yeah. No, it was just, it was cool because um, it was great to get to know him a little bit better. I mean, his background and what he does and, you know, world travel and him going to Iceland and, and he's been to Egypt. So oh, he's going to go to Egypt. Going to go to Egypt. I'm going to okay. fill him in on it. Okay. So, <laughs> but I mean, the places that he's been, I mean, seeing the world cup and uh, that's just awesome that, you know, he's got, I mean, I'm kind of jealous. He's got a great job at Bleacher Report. They, uh, I mean, he's got the opportunity to go watch a lot of games and, and then also travel. So just learning a little bit about his background and, and that's how, you know, we build relationships and, it's it's going to be fun going forward just to be able to talk with him and uh, get his inside knowledge uh, if we have questions about the draft or or whatever you know other teams. Yeah, he's he truly is living that lifestyle. I'm yeah. I'm a little jelly. <laughs> no, but very down to earth, cool, like yeah. easy to talk to. And he's on a tight schedule, and for him to uh, to take the time uh, is very we're very appreciative. Um, I know he he's probably on his way somewhere now because it's you know it's on the go in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't tell my visit visited in New York because uh, he's but he's like, oh, cool, you're one of the million other tourists <laughs> that do it every day. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, like down, like I said, down to earth, mm-hmm. cool. It's one of those guys that yeah, you wouldn't mind having a beer with, and yeah. like the hundred and whatever people are doing down in right in the combine. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
other than that, like, I don't know if we had any questions or anything going in. But, yeah, other than that, the Bucks news are, uh, was it Andre Ellington? Yeah, we signed Andre Ellington to, uh, I don't know what the terms are. I'm assuming a one-year deal. Um, but, yeah, think I mean, about that? Yeah, it's a, it's a good move. I think it's, um, again, he's a, he's a solid running back, a guy that can provide depth. Again, he's no guarantee to make the roster. I think they're still going to add at the running back position, whether that be through free agency or the draft. Uh, but he's a guy to have on the team. He knows the system. He knows what Bruce likes to do. So I think it'll be good for Ronald Jones and Payne Barber and uh, Sean Wilson for, you know, for them to learn from. So it can't hurt. And I think those are the type of moves I'd like to see going forward and getting guys like that that are cheap and that are good quality depth that are going to add to not only competition, but, you know, be able to contribute if needed. Yeah, like you said, I mean, it's, it's a guy that knows probably what we're going to run on offense mm-hmm. and that will help out Rojo. That will help out Peyton Barber. And then it's, if you think about it, it's just like Cutter's version of quiz. Yeah, pretty much. It's literally just another guy, smaller, a little more catch burst. the ball. Yeah. But that's pretty, a younger, or no, he's not even, he's 30 years old. 30, yeah. So he's not even that young. So right. 30's a year for the running backs. <laughs> but, I mean, it's not a huge sign. It just... To me, it shows, okay, we have no guy that can catch a ball, which we've been saying for mm-hmm. all offseason, all over the year, all before this. Like, yeah. we've never And we, really and we never that. know. I mean, he might be moving to receiver because they used him at receiver the last year um, Arians was there in 2017. So that could be possible. Oh, no, but, yeah, phone calls. <laughs> we got all the phone calls. Yeah. But, I mean – I, I don't know if he's going to be used at wide receiver. We I, we just need running back help mm-hmm. either way. But, I mean, no. I think it's just like a body like you, you said earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but, I mean, again, going back to what Connor said, I mean, just the information that he gave us on uh, Todd Bowles was great. Pretty much confirmed what our other guest, Jess Root, you know, was talking about. So that was awesome to hear. I, I, I like that, you know – I'm, you know what? I'll, I'm a little concerned that he says that Bowles likes to get the bigger bodies to, to stop the run and um, kind of use his linebackers more. I'm kind of concerned with that because I'd like to see it where we get some more edge rushers up there and utilize those guys to get after the quarterback. Um, but again, he also said that you know Todd Bowles might be able to adjust and maybe go more four-man fronts and uh, use it that way. Well, yeah, because it, it did scare me too. I was like, he's like, oh, he doesn't like the, the bendy – yeah. outside edge guys he likes the bigger just stop the run and like you gotta you gotta force the the issue he's mm-hmm. like yeah the inside guys Mohamed wilkerson sheldon richardson leonard williams yeah yeah i mean that's gonna be our vita vea and jpp nasib but yeah are nasib and jpp gonna do thrive in this three four right like they didn't do in the yeah. giants and the browns like i brought up and I, I he he was kind of, like everyone's always confident about Gerald McCoy mm-hmm. if they're not a real local Bucks fan. Like mm. Bucks fans are either really really for McCoy or they're really really against him. Yeah. And like, oh yeah, like I, I looked it up today. Like remember over the last podcast I was talking about oh there's there's one little clip about someone saying mm-hmm. McCoy has one move. I found it. It was Tony Daniels from the Mike, Packers. Mike Daniels. Mike Mike Daniels. Yeah. Here, here it is. Gerald McCoy. I'm not gonna say what he does, but they can't stop it. And it's like, oh my goodness, this guy's doing the exact same thing and they can't stop it. The snap, Cutler wants to throw, looking left, looking up, under pressure. He will be hit these teeth up and he's dropped finally. <laughs> it's, it's actually funny when you watch it on film. What's the, what's the move? You want I'm not going to tell you that. I'm going to watch that guy keep beating offensive linemen. 
<laughs> so you, yeah. you pretty much know the one move is just the quick quickness off the snap mm-hmm. and just hitting a gap. Yeah. And like, that's the thing we're saying. It's like, once you start losing that quickness off the, off the snap count, mm-hmm. it's, w- w- yeah. If you don't have any other moves. Yeah. I mean, we, we said it and we said it on the last podcast. I mean, I think it's going to be very tough to keep Joe McCoy unless he restructures in some type of fashion. Um, I just don't see him staying here at 13 million. I think they're going to try to, I think that's what's going to come up next week. You're going to hear discussions about trades and, and seeing what you can get for Joe McCoy, Deshaun Jackson, um, maybe even a Cameron Brait. So, you know, they have to create cap space. And I, I talked about this earlier this week. I was like, we need to create some more space because this roster needs to be more balanced overall as far as what you're paying guys and, you know, what kind of depth you want to bring on. And, you know, whenever there's a new coaching staff, there is going to be turnover. Um, and I think these guys want to target certain players, you know, that they're familiar with and that can help them uh, bring more depth, but also be quality uh, players that if capable or need to, uh, can provide quality starting time. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's what you have to look at it from that point of view. And, you know, we'll see, I think, you know, who we have as far as JPP and Carl Nassib, I think, you know, I don't know if they can play stand up. I don't know if they can be that kind of guy where they, you stand them up and play the outside linebacker type role. Um, I think Noah Spence is like, I think he's the perfect fit to be one of those edge type of outside linebacker kind of guys, but but like you said, he doesn't like small bendy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Right? So, See, but that's the thing. So, like, yeah. I like I'm piecing together where all these people that know this defense mm-hmm. is, and to what we have, and like thinking about what they're saying. Even like, because even when we ask Connor, and that and that goes back to the Kendall Beckwith point. Like, yeah. he really likes him, and now he's he's saying Quan's probably going to be on the way out. So, I don't know. It's going to be especially with the money. I mean, well, yeah. Well, with the money, like I asked Connor about, we both asked about Joe McCoy. He he kind of gave the not bad answer mm-hmm. it was more just like a politically correct kind of thing it was quick i mean he said I, he could fit yeah he yeah. could fit but I, I, I think he just didn't want to bash our best player kind of thing mm-hmm. i mean does is joe mccoy known for a run stopper because mm-hmm. joe mccoy won't be in the middle he won't be the nose tackle he'll be the outside defensive end so how did how do you see mccoy as a, a run stopper i just yeah. he gets what 30 tackles a year and that's pushing yeah. it I mean, I mean, the only thing I can say positive about him, if he stays on this team and is in this scheme... Where, I don't mean to bash him so much. No, it's no. Just, I'm just trying to fit him into what a 3-4 is. Yeah, and it's more so we're trying to do what... We're trying to think of what's best for this football team and take the emotional side out of it. You know, um, this team has to make the right choices to win games. It's not about the fan favorite or who, you know, it's none of that. It, you have to make tough choices sometimes. And that's why the Patriots are at the top of the league every year because they know how to how to do it. They're ahead of the curve. So, but with that said, I think if McCoy's here, I think he could work in this defense because it's attacking one gap style that they're referring to. And I think if he has the ability to just go upfield and, and disrupt like he was in 2013, which was his best season, that was under a similar scheme. It was under Greg Schiano, but it was attacking style type of defense where they just allowed their guys to get upfield instead of holding on blockers and, and holding guys up for the linebackers. If that's the case, I could see it. I could see him and Vita Vea maybe rotating inside and out and seeing how that works. But um, I don't I don't know. I just I don't feel it's going to work because of the money unfortunately i just i don't see him coming back yeah and then talking of money yeah i i agree with you mm-hmm. it's but what's funny connor was like oh 
Todd Bowles' first year, they go and get three corners. Yeah. And I think Carlton Davis, perfect fit. Yeah. Hargraves, I think, is a perfect fit for the nickel. It doesn't have to be a necessarily short guy. Right. But, yeah, there's still one more. I don't think MJ Stewart is, is going to be that outside. No. Hargraves is more likely to be outside, and MJ is more nickel. Right. But I, I'm pretty sure they're probably going to bring in at least one if they don't draft one. Yeah, I considering mean, the, how much they value the corners. Yeah, the way I look at it, I, I, I think a veteran corner in free agency is definitely the way to go. I, I think maybe a veteran safety, depending on the market. But yeah, when you look in the draft and and maybe drafting a corner or safety, I just I'm not sure. Um, again, I would I'm hoping they can trade down and add more picks because then that will afford them the opportunity to get some more pieces up there. Um, but when you look at this corner class, it's actually pretty good for what Todd Bowles wants to do. There's a lot of guys that can play press man and do those kind of things. Um, you have some zone corners, but it's more man coverage corners. Again, this is me talking, only going through about 10 or so corners. I haven't looked at everyone, but um, yeah, I mean, I think right now the pieces are there in place. We have some some good things to work off of. I really like Justin, and he talked about the safeties, Jamal Adams and, and Marcus May. Mm-hmm. I think Justin Evans and Jordan Whitehead can easily progress and become stars in this defense. And and be the kind of playmakers that we need. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it, it depends on what you're going to do up front on both sides of the ball. I think that's where our main focus is going to be, especially on defense. It's like how do you rework that defensive line in front seven um, to help your young secondary out and make them better? Yeah, I mean, we need to produce an edge rush to mm-hmm. me. I mean, I know he, both guys yeah, especially, said it's, it's going to come from the middle. Yeah. But to me, it's like we got to get some – Edge rush, and if you're going to take away JPP and Nassib from doing, but then you were saying Nassib, he he did stand up, he did that stunt with mm-hmm. McCoy a lot, and every time he did it, there was a pressure or a sack, right, or an incompletion, or something good happened. So he did stand up doing that, so he can do that. Mm-hmm. JPP was moved around a couple times, like they're capable. Are they the traditional big burly guy that just funnels a run away? And mm-hmm. no, they aren't. And I, even JPP, like, he gained weight and got bigger, but he just didn't put up the sack numbers that he usually is known for. Yeah. I mean, I to me, I I just hope he adapts and changes and learns yeah. that you got to I mean, have edge. Yeah. Because abs- we don't have any right now. No. And ab- I know that's absolutely right. And I think, you know, pointing to that, I think the bright spot is that we're in nickel. You're in nickel a lot of times. I mean, Pretty much 70% of the time you're in a nickel formation. Um, rarely are you on in base, and that's why I think it's important that we get some guys that can get after the quarterback and make plays because this is a passing league. Again, the run game is there for a reason, and that is to keep teams off balance. But, again, it's not the focal point of every offense. It's about play action and getting after the quarterback. Um, that's what you have to look for um, defensively because – Teams are using running formations, but they're passing out of that most of the time. So I think with that said, nickel, when you look at our nickel defense, I think we're going to be okay because most of the time in nickel, you got to have at least four or five guys, maybe even six guys coming after the quarterback at any given time. So when you look at it that way, it's a four-man front. So we should be okay as far as how you want to game plan it that way if you're going to fit in a JPP and a Carl Nassip and others uh, going forward. Yeah, I mean, the question marks are still there. I mean, we're getting more answers. I mean, just two guys in a row said mm-hmm. the middle of the defense is going to be where it's at. Yeah. It, it's still, I mean, and, to me, it's a good, you're getting answers, but it's like, uh, ooh. <laughs> like I, I want I want to hear outside as well. But 
hey, mm. we're getting answers, so expect the middle D-line and your middle linebackers to do it. I mean, David is a good rusher. We've seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going to be playing middle now. Yeah. David and Quan or David and Beckwith. Right. And, like, yeah, everyone's confident in David, but I just don't see uh, – we all know as Buck fans, David as a, a drop-back linebacker hasn't been doing that well lately. But he's been put on an island against Kamara and yeah. Barkley and just – McCaffrey, like, come on. Like, how many linebackers win in that matchup? Yeah, and uh, no, I mean, those those are great points. And I think the good news is from these guests that we've had on, I think that everyone can say, like, we know what the priorities are for this team, and that's offensive line and defensive line. Mm-hmm. I mean, they know what this team needs. And, and maybe the secondary, yes, it's young, but I think if you fix the offensive line and you fix D-line and, you know, shore yourself with some – you know, good depth at other areas, I think will be okay. And, uh, and David Montgomery is RB one. I think he confirmed that. <laughs> I, I mean, he confirmed that. It, I don't get the hype with Josh Jacobs either, but, uh, that's a whole another show, but yeah. Uh, that yeah, was and one more thing to those thinking Josh Jacobs at number five or <laughs> even a trade down at 10. I, I am totally not for that. No, I mean, you just can't rate a running back that high especially in today's NFL. You just can't. No. I mean I mean maybe if it's a a generational talent in Barkley. Mm-hmm. But come on. I mean like like the stats show that okay, you may have a crazy good running back, but you can game plan for that. Right. You can't game plan for a running or a passing game that can look like it's going to be a run but then they pass. Yeah. And a running back can feed off of okay, there's elements where okay, the O-line's really good. A running back can you can have any running back back there. Chiefs mm-hmm. do it all the time. Yeah. So, I mean, it's – I just would not take a running back top 10 at all. Mm-mm. Especially with the, – the running game is now an extension of your passing game. So, your passing game pretty much sets up any type of running game that you want. Uh, it's ideal. That's why you see, like, the Saints, it's ideal to have pass-catching backs that can make plays out of the backfield. Um, and that's where your running game exists. I mean, you get – look at James White for the Patriots. All they do is do five-yard dump-offs. And that's pretty much their running game. And then once that gets covered, then you can start running the football and being more effective. But yeah, the value of running back uh, is just no, it's it's diminishing. And that's been shown stat wise, like yards or not yards, but attempts for running backs is going down yearly. I think last year is at twenty five attempts, and that number keeps going down because passing game is where it's at. That's where you win these games nowadays, and that's why the focus has to be on your front. Yeah, but you know trenches. But that brings it back to what Connor was saying that Bulls defense is more about stopping the run first. Yeah, that's a scary. Thing, that concerns me, right? Yeah, I I want to be able to no. You you can stop the run, but you, you want to be able to yeah. prevent the pass, force a, a rush to pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by blitzing and pressure. Yeah, he blitzes a lot, and by I don't like hearing your primary yeah issue or focus is stopping the run yeah that brings mike smith memories back that's not good because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was kind of the same game plan but he just he just didn't blitz at all um but, i mean we're, we're drawing more of a picture we're getting people yeah. who know more like i've been saying so mm-hmm. like I, there's things i like to hear a lot and there's things where i'm like oh yeah hold up pump <laughs> brakes I, I know everyone's excited and everyone says he's a great defensive coordinator but i want to see the pieces they put together what they do with McCoy, if we really do run a 3-4 defense, like everyone's been saying, these mm-hmm. two guys, no, he's going to run that 3-4. So does McCoy really fit in their plans? No. Well, we're going to find out yeah. very shortly. <laughs> yeah, next week's going to be fun. Um, and 
but yeah, I mean, I think that's going to uh, close it out for us. But yeah, we got more exciting stuff coming up uh, later uh, as we get going closer to the draft and free agency. Um, got a great guest on for next week that we're really excited about. It'll be more Bucks centric, more Bucks focused uh, guest. Um, but it's it's awesome. I mean, uh, very excited as far as uh, just overall off season and getting there. But yeah, uh, th- again, thanks to Connor uh, Connor Rogers from. Uh, stick to football podcast and Bleacher Report. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And uh, I think that's going to do it. And we're going to sign off. Yeah, I hope you all are liking yeah. these different guests we're bringing in because we're, we're just asking around, just finding to talk football, talk bucks. Just mm-hmm. it's off season. Have fun talking football. Yeah. And getting to know these people too. Like that's one thing we really, really like to do. And I mm-hmm. hope you guys are enjoying it as well. Like I'm having a lot of fun. I hope you all are having fun. I know Pless is having fun. I know for damn sure Pless. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, but other than that, yeah, like have a good night. Enjoy your off season and go Bucks. Yeah, go Bucks.